Hi, you're listening to The Cardigan, a special series from Selfie, focusing on the intersection of psychology and self-care. I'm Kristen, a licensed therapist, a skilled catastrophizer, and mom of four. And I'm Matthias, a licensed therapist, side-eye aficionado, and a dog dad. We're going to be taking your mental health questions, chatting about our own journeys, and looking at psychology in the media. We hope you learned something about yourself, the people you love, and the world of mental health and maybe laugh a little along the way. So go grab some tea and your favorite cardigan and we'll meet you on the couch. All right. Hey guys. Well, I'm here with Matthias. We are going to be doing a self-care check-in. We're going to take some listener questions and then our psych and pop culture question is going to be looking at why is Squid Game so popular? I'm so excited for this one. I know. I know. Okay. Well, let's jump in to our mental health check-in, self-care check-in. Matthias, how's yours going? Yeah. You know, my therapist is on paternity leave right now. So I haven't seen him. I know, right? Like, (laughs) so when when he was like, yeah, I I won't see you for a month. I was like, how am I going to survive? And uh, yeah, so not in therapy for this month because he's, you know, off having a baby. Mm -hmm. Uh you know, I'm doing well overall. I started working with a nutrition coach who, who kind of works from a health at every size perspective, because um, I've been trying to work with some body image stuff and, and trying to really work with fat phobia specifically mm-hmm. uh, within my own self <laughs> and, you know, just in, in general culture. And that I feel like, you know, it's not technically therapy, but it has been incredible to start questioning some of those narratives that feel so ingrained um yeah okay what does that look like just from a practical level like what does a session look like when you're talking about that because i'm fascinated with this yeah so i mean it's been a mix of things like i am working with her on you know on eating and and Mm -hmm. trying to undo some of like diet culture Mm -hmm. uh and ways of eating or patterns of thinking it's mostly patterns of thinking Mm -hmm. around food of like Mm -hmm. what is good what is bad when can i eat during the day when is you know quote unquote bad time to eat during the day so so we're doing a lot of kind of behavioral work around that um which has been I mean, just, I've, I've only had a few sessions with her, but just even that of, of realizing how often I think of a food as being bad or oh, yeah. good or like the, the cycle of shame of like, you know, if it's 8 p.m. and I'm on my couch eating a snack, I, I feel, you know, there are parts of me that feel really guilty about that. <laughs> yeah. So funny because, I mean, we've laughed about TikTok and how addicting it can be. But I feel like there's some really good mental health stuff on TikTok. But I watched a woman the other day talking about the different types of food restriction and how Mm. food restriction ultimately, you know, leads us to binge eating because, you know, but she talked about the aspect of restriction where you don't allow yourself pleasure in eating foods that you consider bad. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's huge. Um. Yeah, f- I mean, food is so complex, and, it is. and I, you know, I think I've you know, realized that in some ways. But actually, like getting into it, I have felt more vulnerable talking to her than I have felt like talking to my therapist wow. in a long time. It's really hard. It's to talk deep, about. huh? Yeah, yeah. Mm. That's so, so interesting. Yeah, and 
you know, and and then kind of aside from that, like just this perpetual question of how do I care for myself in the midst of really busy seasons? Like mm-hmm. I feel like that is the yeah. ongoing question that I'm I'm still yeah. wrestling through. You yeah. know, as life picks back up again. Well, when you figure it out, <laughs> let, let me know. know. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I I mean that is just. Isn't that the ongoing question, the oh ever-present question? Yeah. 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 It, yeah. Yeah. And I guess the solution is like, be less busy, but like, does does modern life allow for that? I don't know. No, right. Like, I, w- I was going to say, like, you know, there is that fantasy of like, we're just going to slow down. Uh-huh. And, totally. But like, that doesn't feel realistic. Like, no. It, it, yeah. No, I know. I'm I'm always... I really do struggle with living in a next month, it'll be easy. Like this is just temporary. Like this chaos that I've surrounded myself with is temporary when no, I'm just living like this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's just my baseline. Yeah. I catch myself saying all the time, like, yeah, but my December is going to be completely open. Totally. It's not, it's not. I should just accept that at this point, but I know it's a nice fantasy. I know. Well, uh, Yeah. I have backed myself into a corner. We, I mean, we've talked about this. I'm traveling a ton this month. Yeah. And I had convinced myself it'll be okay because by then I won't have much going on. <laughs> um, listener, <laughs> I still have a lot going on. <laughs> That's a trap. That's a trap it's a right trap. there. I yep. know. Oh. Uh, uh, um, okay, really quick, because I want to double back to this. This coaching that you're talking about, the the – health at every size coaching if someone's listening and they're like "Ooh, i want that where does someone find something like that yeah th- there's a mix of places so health at every size you can actually google health at every size mm-hmm. and find certified practitioners mm. in, in your area so that's a place you can go um you know there are also a lot of therapists who are being trained in this and so you know if you have a therapist you can talk to them about it, ask mm-hmm. if they've been trained in it. It mm-hmm. is kind of a methodology and a way of you know, thinking about bodies and eating um, that is popping up all over the place and, and can be s- super helpful. Um, and then, you know, and then and there's books like, mm-hmm. I don't know that this is specifically health at every size, but um, you know, the book, your, your body is not an apology um, mm. by, I think that's, oh, I don't want to get, the author's name wrong, but I think it's Sonia Renee Taylor. We'll link it up. We'll yeah, link we it up will in the show notes. Um, I probably need to buy that one. It's an incredible book. Yeah. 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 I mean, what about you, Kristen? How How is your mental health? Um, I mean, I, as I mentioned, I am in the midst of a really busy season. I struggle. Um, I struggle when I have a lot of travel, which is tough because I love to travel and I'm kind of, I don't know, I'm trying to navigate like the fact that this thing that I love is also a massive, massive stressor for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am, I went to back to therapy. I'm back in therapy right now. Um, I, I've gone through a couple therapists. It's really hard to find a good therapist. Tell me about it. I'm very jealous. I know yours is on a break, but I'm very jealous because I know you've had a very long-term relationship with a therapist you really like. And I have not, I've not been able to find that. Oh. Mm. Yeah. it's so hard like I, I perpetually have clients coming in saying like it's really hard to find a therapist <laughs> I'm like, it's really hard I, to I find know. a therapist <laughs> like, <laughs> it's really hard okay I'm yeah. going to tell you a story because you're going to appreciate this as a therapist I 
<laughs> so I've been trying to find a new therapist. I found this one guy. I thought it would be good. In our first session, um, he's working from what looks to be a bedroom. And behind oh. him, behind his shoulder, is an open closet where I can see, like, his very messy clothes. And then there's oh. a dresser behind him with, like, a mess of stuff on the counter. Oh, no. So here's a question for you. Would that be a red flag for you? Like, would that be a, a deal breaker for you? I, I think so. <laughs> I think it would be. Unless he, like, knocks it out of the park in the uh-huh. first session. <laughs> okay, let me add another detail. He has a ceiling fan. And the... Oh, my gosh. This makes me sound so petty. But it's a ceiling fan where there are supposed to be globes around the lights. Uh-huh. But the globes aren't there. And so it's just ceiling fan with bare light bulbs. Yeah, no. Mm-mm. And yep. that alone, I was like, I, like literally the entire session, I just want to be like, what is happening with your ceiling fan? Oh my gosh. Like, what is happening that you cannot afford to go to Home Depot and buy a $40 new ceiling fan or just a, at the very least, <laughs> the sconce surrounding <laughs> things to go on it? Right. I like... I feel like that brings up such an important point of like how space (laughs) influences therapy. Like Uh I know you've talked about like the importance of a clean space for you. Like, like it's maybe it's not for everyone, but for some people that's huge. And yeah, it is huge. And it's huge for me. And I get, I, I will, and I will tell what I did. My initial thought was a lot of judgment. And I was like, this is indicative. You know, I do think, some of this, like, this is unprofessional and this is going to... And then I checked myself mm. and I told myself, Kristen, you are judgmental. You like, you know, you are looking for a way to get out of therapy. You are, you know, dismissing this guy before you've given him a chance, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I did three sessions with him. And guess what? He was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I was right. I was right. He was super unprofessional. <laughs> But I gave it a try. I really did give it a try. So now I have someone new. I'm two sessions in and I'm hopeful, but ah, but I'm getting, I'm here to say for people who are listening, therapy is a lot like dating. You have to try a few. Mm-hmm. Yep. You have yep. to. And if it doesn't work, you just break up and find someone else. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's it's such exhausting work though to have to go in and fill out those intakes and talk about your uh-huh. life and I mean all of that just to find out like oh I don't really like this person yeah this isn't a fit yeah. although I will say this the fact that telehealth is so like accessible at this point because of the pandemic yeah it is nice that all of this all of this therapy searching has happened from the comfort of my own home mm-hmm. like that is nice. You know, I'm not driving places. It's very nice that, like, I'm trying to figure all this out without leaving my house. Yeah, yeah, that is (laughs) the truth. Today's sponsor is my favorite kind of company. They make great products while making the world a better place. Fazil is a company that works in collaboration with artisans in India to make gorgeous wool goods while providing fair wages for the women who make their products. The women Fazil employs create cozy handmade items like warm socks, hats, and mittens in really beautiful traditional patterns. 
I had a chance to talk to Vanessa, one of the founders of Fazl. She and her husband moved from Canada to India in 2015 and started working with an orphanage. They have a passion for both caring for orphans and preventing children from being orphaned in the first place. They donate a significant portion of profits to children's homes and provide sustainable jobs for hundreds of Indian women in need. Fazl believes every person has the right to dignified work and ethical wages, and as such, they are certified with the Fair Trade Federation for accountability. Their vegan blend of acrylic and nylon means the warmth of wool without the itch and long-lasting durability and warmth. And guys, their products are cute. If you're looking for some great winter wear or some gifts that give back for the holiday season that's approaching, keep Fazl in mind. You can check out their products at shopfazl.com. That's shopfazl.com. Here is our one of our listener questions for the week. So this person asked, How do I help a spouse who is dealing with mental health issues but won't seek treatment or get meds or practice known skills? And then they said, or perhaps should I say, how do I help myself and my kids when you can't help the spouse? Yeah. I I feel like this is such a complex question. Yeah. because there, I mean, there, there's that that dynamic of like you really want your spouse, <laughs> you really want your partner to get some help, but but also that acknowledgement, like we we can't Mm-mm. force Mm-mm. anyone to do anything. No, and, and uh, yeah, yeah. Nor can we change people. Right. Yeah. 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 I think this one is a really tough one, and I think. It's hard to know without the context, because I think there are different answers to different layers, right? Totally. And so I think question one is, is this person's mental health issues harming me Mm. and my kids? Yeah. Is it frustrating or is it harmful? And of course, that's a trajectory. That's not a binary. Um, But I think that informs, you know, in one way how we respond. So if it's frustrating but not harmful, then I would say the boundary probably looks like focusing on self, which, gosh, nobody wants to hear, right? Mm -hmm. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like, and some of that might look like getting into a support group with other people who have a spouse with similar mental health issues, but also just making sure that, you know, your own mental health stuff is intact. Um, But then, I mean, what do you think for the person whose, you know, spouse's mental health is becoming harmful to the family? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's when I think we have to start asking those bigger questions of, mm-hmm. of, you know, what, what is this relationship? <laughs> and, and I think, again, I would say like, it, it might be really important to talk about that with your own therapist mm-hmm. <laughs> of, of and, and unpacking, you know, what is this harm actually doing? Of course, there are the situations of where like, you know, very acute, obvious sense of harm, such as domestic violence or, mm-hmm. you know, emotional abuse, like those are really concrete things at times. Um, but I mean, there's these other questions of what is the impact this is having on you? Mm-hmm. And then what can you start to do to either get yourself out of that situation or have those really hard conversations of boundaries? Mm-hmm. What's okay and what's not okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Do you think it's ever appropriate for a spouse to have a boundary of like, if we're going to live together, you need to take medication? I, yeah. Yeah. I do too. If, (laughs) I mean, if the medication has been prescribed by a medical doctor. Yes. Like, so it's not okay for a spouse to be like, I know you need meds. I don't know what they are, but I know you need them. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But I mean, I think if there's a known mental health issue that has been, you know, diagnosed and a medication's been prescribed by a doctor, I think it's an appropriate boundary to say, in order for us to live together, I need you to take the meds that you've been prescribed. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that is not unreasonable in, mm-hmm. in my mind to, no. to set that kind of boundary and, and to say, like, this is in order for us to have a good relationship yeah. or a better relationship. And I, I, I always talk about kind of boundaries in the, the sense of... <laughs> I, I don't go camping often, but like setting up a tent and, and how important when you're camping is to have a tent. Cause if you don't, you're sleeping out in the wild. And, yeah. and what does it look like to create that space around yourself so that you can actually have an enjoyable, you can have good rest, you know, all of the things that come with sleeping in a tent. Yeah. Um, we have to set those tents up for ourselves. Uh, and, it allows us to then have be able to to play in some ways to mm-hmm. have these these better relationships or, or or goodness within these relationships and medication certainly can be one of those things that that helps i think um in talking about boundaries too i it's a really hard and nuanced thing to figure out the difference between making someone do something and Mm -hmm. setting a boundary. Right. And so you can't make someone take meds and everyone has the choice to take meds, but you can communicate what you're going to do if they don't. Right. Which is your boundary. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's actually a little bit like the vaccine mandates for certain employees. Like nobody has to take the vaccine. No one's being forced, but if you want to work here, (laughs) Right. <laughs> You've got to take it, right? right? Right. And it's, you know, I think it's similar too. It's like, you don't have to take meds, but if we're going, if I'm going to live here, <laughs> you have to take meds. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's, a hard one. It is so hard. And it's so hard to set those boundaries, especially when it's someone that you love. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And they asked about kids. I think, first of all, I think there are a lot of, really good books for children. I think that open lines of communication um, need to happen. I think, you know, if it's accessible, getting kids into therapy um, who are dealing with a parent with mental health issues is pretty important. Mm -hmm. Um, If that doesn't feel accessible, you can always call your kid's school and see if they have resources. A lot of schools do, um, you know, for some level of counseling um, books Uh, But I think really opening those lines of communication so that it doesn't become an elephant in the room, because that can be really unhealthy when kids are watching a parent dealing with mental health issues, but no one's talking about it. Mm -hmm. Um, So really opening that up is important, I think. Yeah, yeah, that feels super important. Yeah, Yeah. it's a hard one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, our next question is about generalized anxiety disorder. And they are asking, is generalized anxiety disorder a chronic lifelong condition? Yeah. What do you think? (laughs) You know, I I think it, you know, it it can be, I I don't know about lifelong necessarily, although I mean, it's possible. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I also don't think it has to be. So, so I think we're in the, the, this mix of mm-hmm. nuance and complexity of, of like, um, some people can be diagnosed with, with generalized anxiety disorder and, and have it for a period of time, you know, yes. a year, yeah. two years and, and find treatment, you know, get, get healthier, um, get better coping with it. Uh, and then, you know, not deal with it again or deal with it again, you know, in 10 years, um, mm-hmm. other people, may have it for their whole lives and just say me you can just say me <laughs> just name my name Kristen. <laughs> uh, it's i feel it, like f- for me I, I feel like for many people generalized anxiety disorder is a proclivity hmm. that can wax and wane based yep. on life circumstances so for a lot of us we will you know, it will be lying there in wait um, for much of our lives. And that has definitely been the case for me. But I do think that for other people, um, it can be transient, you know, and and even if you look at the DSM diagnosis for generalized anxiety disorder, it's that it's been present for six months or more. <laughs> so if you have anxiety, but it's been less than six months, then generally you would be diagnosed with adjustment disorder, right? Right, right. That's kind of our catch-all for like, mm, things are going weird, but it might just be, be because of an external circumstance. Mm-hmm. And then once you hit that six months mark, the DSM kind of says, okay, now we're going to pop you into an actual diagnosis. Right. Um, so it, it can definitely be short-term for some people. It can be um, based on external circumstances. And, you know, anxiety, much like depression, is one of those interesting things where there are both organic and outside factors to it. You know, it's it's that nature versus nurture. Like some of this is that we're wired that way. And I definitely know that's true for myself. I've struggled with anxiety since I was little, little. Mm -hmm. Um, And then for other people, it's like, oh, I had a really hard year. I was I went through a trauma. Um, I don't think that it's a life sentence for anybody, myself included. Yeah. I'm working very hard on my own anxiety. Um, but, but like I said, I think it can, it can be, um, it can kind of lay dormant. Yeah. Yeah. And be a, a thing that we have to monitor forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think, I mean, especially that idea of it doesn't have to ruin your life. Like, no. I, I think, you know, we're in an age now <laughs> where anxiety is one of these diagnoses of like, yes, anxiety can be debilitating mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. But anytime a client comes in and tells me I have anxiety, I actually feel really hopeful. and like, oh, good. Like, we, we got mm-hmm. this. Like, we mm-hmm. can work with anxiety. We can get mm-hmm. you on the right meds. We can talk about skills. We can, you know, we can work through anxiety in a way that feels, um, you know, that allows you to go back to living a less anxious life. It's yeah. very possible. Yeah, absolutely. It is very possible. Um, and, you know, there are also medications that are very effective with anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of people find a lot of relief from those as well. Yeah. 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 Mm. All right. Let's talk about psychology in pop culture for this week. We are talking about squid games. Have you and, seen it, Kristen? Okay. I have not. And okay. I'll talk about why. I really wanted to watch it just because I'm always fascinated when when something becomes, you know, so popular that everyone's kind of talking about it. I mean, 
I feel like, you know, Tiger King was like that. You know, it's yes. like, I, I want to know what's going on. Uh-huh. Um, and so I did set out to watch it. I got through about half of the first episode. And it just, I was in one of those places where I'm like, this is not the right show for me right now. Yeah. Like, right. <laughs> I feel like I'm living in an actual stress dream. And the show feels like a stress dream. And so I need to not watch it right now. So I have uh-huh. not watched it, but I know what it's about. How about you? Yeah. Yeah, I have seen it. I, well, I haven't finished it yet. I, I'm probably okay. around like episode six or so. So I'm, pr- I'm pretty far in. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I, you know, t- to be honest, I, you know, everyone seems obsessed with it. Yeah. I have yet to quite see like the obsessional part. Like I'm, uh-huh. in, I'm enjoying it. I'm watching it. I'm going to finish it. But that like, this is the best show that has ever been made kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't, <laughs> I'm, I fail to see it. Huh. But it's, aside from that, like, you know, I think one of these big questions is, like, why, why, how is a culture, how is a world? Like, yeah. it's the most watched show I think, ever on yes. Netflix at this point. Like, a show that is so bloody, uh-huh. graphic, violent, gory, and, you know, not necessarily pleasant to watch. No, how and why is it so popular yeah yeah because it it as you said it doesn't really make sense and there's a it doesn't make sense on a bunch of levels i mean first of all it's a korean language film and people you know americans generally don't cross those borders a ton you know we tend to just watch things that are in english so it's a foreign language film i'm noticing kids are watching it like Mm. this is really popular in the middle school set Really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That blows my mind. My kids are not watching it, but <laughs> uh, to my knowledge, <laughs> actually, they're probably watching it, but they're not supposed to be watching it. But yeah, kids are watching this. Adults are watching this. Like everybody is watching this. I mean, what what do you think is the appeal? Yeah, I you know I have a couple ideas. Okay. I, I don't know that any of these are necessarily true, but a couple ideas. One. I wonder around what it is like to watch someone go through such an extreme situation. You know, like mm-hmm. we're, we've all been trapped in a pretty extreme situation, just going through COVID, the pandemic, being trapped at home. Like there's a sense of catastrophe, even if we've learned to manage it. So to, to be able to actually watch catastrophe play out on a screen. Yeah. I, I imagine there's some catharsis of, mm-hmm. of like, oh, this, this feels really good to actually watch people play this all out. Um, so, so I think that's part of it. I, I have another idea too, but I'm, I'm curious what you think. Yeah. I think that there is a part of, of that. And then I think that there is something that humans like watching, people in desperate situations and wondering what they would do. Because mm-hmm. if you think about it, Squid Games, there's some similarity to like Hunger Games. Yep. You know, um, <laughs> there's some similarity to like, I mean, there was a reason that the the Romans, you know, put people in the... Um, the gladiators? Yeah, right. Yep, like, yep. like, I mean, this is, <laughs> you know, I mean, thank goodness it's, it's a TV show, but this, you know, this humans duking it out with other humans has been a form of entertainment real or fake for thousands of years yep so there is something in the human psyche that enjoys watching people put up against a corner and seeing what they do to get out and Mm -hmm. maybe it's some weird microcosm of like you know 
obviously we're not all living in life-threatening situations, but it's like, is there some fascination in watching what people do when they're desperate? Yeah, I, I think so. It's so funny you mentioned the gladiators because that was in my mind too. Like it, it feels like a kind of modern day yeah. playing out of that, that same scenario. And, and, and I always think about like, you know, disgust gore is actually a form of arousal it is in yeah. the the yes. structure of of arousal and, and so i mean that pairing to me is always fascinating i mean yeah. we see it in horror movies and, and you know where sexuality is paired with gore and and i mean it it lights up similar parts of our brains. And, and so there's, there's an arousing factor yes. to watching gore that yes. can actually be very pleasurable, even if we're disgusted. Yeah. It, yeah. It, I mean, it definitely gets, you know, gets the adrenaline going, right? Like yeah. I would imagine that watching this kind of material has some similarities to watching porn in terms of what it's doing in the brain chemistry. Right. Right. Like, even if it's not necessarily sexual, like, like, right, I, I, sure. don't necess- no. I don't mean pleasurable, like sexually pleasurable, right. although for some it may be. But yeah, but that sense of like, it, it is doing something in our bodies. It's just arousing something yeah. in our bodies that, you it's know. It's shocking. Yeah. 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 It's so interesting because I do, I, I agree with you that many people find it pleasurable. I don't. Yeah. I, it, I, I am the person who's sitting there feeling really gross. Mm-hmm. Like, but I, I do agree that a lot of people, I think it's it, it that shock and the gore is just very, it does, it lights something up. Yeah. 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 Where yeah. I'm like, it, I don't know, it makes me feel yucky. <laughs> 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 but, but that, that's a feeling too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, it is still arousing, right? I mean, it's a, whether it's positive or negative, I guess, based on a person's, I don't know. Um, it's definitely escapism. Absolutely. It's definitely right. making you feel feelings. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. And again, like, it is not an easy show to watch. Like, yeah. it is, it is rough. It is bleak. And like, yeah, I have felt my stomach just twist up in knots as, as I've, as I've been watching because the situations these folks are put in. I also think there's some fascination in the idea of getting around the system, right? Like all these people are in debt and they have the opportunity to, you know, win or lose. I mean, you know, there's, there's no in between. Um, and you know, it does play into that whole thing of like people don't want to do the work, right? They want a quick fix. They want an easy answer. And, you know, even, even if the alternative is death, like we'd still go for the easy answer. (laughs) totally yeah 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 and and i and you know i can't say that if i was in that situation that i would choose differently yeah like i would you know hope that i could but but i don't know that i you know would if it gets right down to it i would die first for sure (laughs) i mean i haven't seen the show but do you feel like it is an allegory or metaphor for our current condition in some way or am i making too much of it (laughs) I, I don't know that you are. Since I haven't finished the show yet, I, I don't know that I can say for sure. But yeah. my guess is yes. J- just mm-hmm. watching it, it, it feels like there is a critique of some kind of system being played out w- within the show. I'm just not quite sure what it is yet. I mean, is it a critique of capitalism? That's or what am I'm I... wondering. Yeah, okay. That's what I'm wondering. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. It. Yeah, it'll be... 
it'll be funny to find out like kind of what what's and this is hard when you're watching a show when you don't really know the outcome and so you don't know what's the statement yet like where are you leading me Uh uh-huh right right (laughs) you know because i feel like there are some shows where you know you watch and like the ending is so satisfying that you're like, oh, you took me on a ride and like that was, uh, you got me or oh, that was a good message. And then there's some shows, like what did I just watch? Um, mm-hmm. Oh, Nine Perfect Strangers. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where you watch the whole thing and then the payoff is like, no, like there was nothing. Like, right. There was no grand moral lesson here. <laughs> just a show. Just yeah. a show. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, we um, we are going to continue this conversation in our selfie Facebook community. We want to know, have you watched Squid, Squid Games? Do you like it? Do you not like it? And why do you think it's so popular? Can't wait to hear what people think. Me too. Hey, thanks for listening. Just a heads up, we're therapists, but we're not your therapists. This podcast is not a substitute for therapy, and by making it, we're not rendering psychological or other professional services. If you need therapy, we recommend you track down someone to help. Join us online for more of the conversation in our Selfie Community Facebook group or on Instagram at at Selfie Podcast. 